The following program is sponsored by Ron Myers Ministries. It's time now to get the hell out of your life. A weekly broadcast with real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope. Today's show will encourage, inspire, and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope. Now, let's join our host, Ron Myers, the promoter. Hello, my friends. It is so good to be with you today. Have you had your coffee with Jesus, your quiet time with Dad, telling him the problems, the mistakes, the stumbles, and, you know, just saying, hey, I got to get back on track there, Jesus. I need some guidance today. And there's just something healthy about a conversation with Jesus. After all, he's living inside of you. If you are a believer, I learned a long time ago, I bypassed the middleman. I go straight to Jesus. I mean, I do like church and I like all that pageantry and tradition, but there's nothing like that close, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, my life coach and my mentor, because he is truth and the truth will never lead you astray. This show is all about sharing stories to validate the love, the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus. I interview people. I've been doing it for over four seasons now. Hundreds of people that never met Jesus in church, but they met Jesus at the end of their loneliness or a needle or just so much hell in their life. They said, I can't do this anymore. Well, today you will hear from Kelby. Kelby grew up in South Carolina, and well, he was a little little hellraiser. And then one day he's going to tell you about a bald-headed white man that changed his life by introducing, introducing him to Jesus. Kelby, so good to have you on the phone with me. How are you doing today? Hey, Ron, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. So, Kelby, what is your story? First of all, thank you so much. That means that means the world to me. It, it, I mean, where do I start? That's 17 really is where it all shifted for me. You know, I'm the oldest of seven boys, mom, you know, single mom, didn't really have a father figure. To be honest, I didn't even really get to know my, my father until probably like late teenage years. And, and even then, it was kind of very distant and, and not really great relationship. So, you know, I was kind of the man of the household, so to speak. And just one decision led to another, and, and it just started going downhill. And it first started with me really just experimenting with drugs. You know, I dropped out of high school, I think 17. I moved down to South Carolina. And then when I got here, I just I just really just wasn't doing nothing with my time. Smoking weed all day and hanging out with the wrong people. You know, trying to prove myself to somebody. Really trying to find some significant. And I'll share this story. It was me and my friends at the time. And we... We're drunk, we're on Xanax, and literally just out of our minds. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, and we were walking down the street, and we just had this idea of just breaking into something. And it was literally a church right across the street uh, from where we were walking. And we said, you know, let's just let's go kick that door in. And uh, ran inside the church, and all we were doing was just scrumming through stuff, being, being stupid, vandalizing things. But a neighbor heard us, and they called the cops. We seen some headlights flash in the windows of the church. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning. We're like, what is going on? We peek outside and all we heard was, hey, you. And it was officers just lined up in their patrol cars. 
um, immediately freak out and we go run back inside. I actually remember kind of taking off and um, getting tackled by a cop. But I definitely remember being hit in the back of the head. And then they released a canine into the church uh, where my buddies were and uh, had the dog actually bite one of them and drag him out. And so it was a crazy situation. We ended up getting in a lot of trouble for that. But that was just the first of many. My mother bonded me out. Um, God bless her. She's such an amazing woman. Tried to do her best with what she had. Four weeks later, I'm doing it again. I'm back on a rampage. I'm back on Xanax and smoking weed and drinking. And this time, commit another felony. That happened twice. And the last time the judge looked at me, I was 17. And now I'm getting charged as an adult. I got six felonies, like eight misdemeanors now. And the judge looked at me and said, Kevin, I'm not letting you out again. Every time we let you out, you, you get back in trouble. So you're going to stay here in this jail cell. And I'll never forget because I had my 18th birthday in Pickens County Jail here in South Carolina. And while I was in there, one day, a guard comes up and says, Kelby, you have a visitor. So, of course, I've got nothing to do. I go to the visitation room, and there's this bald-headed white dude on the other side of this glass screen. And I sit down to talk with him. And first, he's asking me how am I doing and, you know, sharing with me a little bit about who he is. And then he starts talking about Jesus. You know, I've always known about like Christ and God. I've definitely felt like I've always like been a believer. I knew there was something bigger out there. Um, I, I just wrestled with, I guess, believing uh, Jesus. And so he started talking to me a little bit and I kind of shut it down to me. I was like, look, dude, like one of the reasons I'm in here is because I was breaking into churches. Not for me. I know God's real. I know that, but not for me, not right now. I need to get my life in, in together first and then maybe. I can pursue this Jesus thing. And then he shared with me a story about Saul to Paul, how God transformed that man's life and used him to bring so much glory and honor to his name. And it really touched me, man. It really, like, I'll never forget it. It was like hope was deposited in my heart at that moment, you know, and I had this idea that, okay, maybe, um, maybe I can really change and maybe I can really get help changing. And he gave me this new believers Bible and I went back to my jail cell and immediately just kind of opened that thing up and started reading, started reading the red word, the words of Jesus. And I'll never forget because I ran across the passage where Jesus was telling um, telling the crowd, I believe, he said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Um, and he was talking about giving. You know, at the time in the jailhouse that I was in, there was a lot of meth addicts in there. And uh, these guys would come in there, beat up, super skinny, you know, hadn't slept in four or five days. Um, and I would just feel so sorry. And so I would uh, literally at nighttime, 12, one o'clock in jail, I would run around and, and throw some noodles under their mat. So when they wake up, they have something to eat or I don't know, something. And um, it was really inspired because of that verse and because of the words of Jesus. And so I started putting these things into practice while I was in jail and really devoting myself to learning and devoting myself to uh, becoming better and pursuing this life that God had predestined for us through Christ. That didn't stop me from having to go through the consequences of my decisions. When uh, when it came time for me to finally uh, be charged with whatever was going to happen for me, whatever the court decided to happen to me as a discipline, it could have been a lot worse. I only got sent down the road for eight months. So I had to go spend eight months in prison in, in Columbia, South Carolina. And then, uh, then I came home and I was on five years parole and it was a very strict parole. When I got home, I didn't want to go back, and I knew what I had experienced in jail was something significant and something real. And so I reached out to this ball-headed white guy again and uh, just wanted to kind of see what he's up to and uh, talk to him. 
And so we formed a little bit of a relationship. We would go and have lunch together and talk about things. And, you know, I would bring my challenges to him and I would debate with him on certain, you know, I guess, theological stuff and just what I was wrestling with. And he would always kind of give me his ear and uh, just listen and provide value and and just kind of walk through with me this journey and and getting to know Christ. But it didn't stop there, man. A couple years later, I lost a brother, 16 years old, was drinking and driving in Powdersville. South Carolina and uh, wrecked his vehicle, lost his life. And then just a year later, I lost an older brother um, who I looked up to a lot, who uh, I lived with for a while. Um, he was shot in a gang drive-by. He was a very big blood member. He was uh, 24 years old, was shot in the heart, died on the spot on the scene. And so I was I was really just in a really messed up place um, with a lot of questions, a lot of doubt. And alcohol became one of my best friends again. This time it was worse, you know drinking every day. I remember um, my supervisor catching me a couple of times with alcohol in my breath and just sending me straight home. But he loved me and cared for me so much. He didn't want to fire me. And that was really grace. He would tell me, can we just go home? What inevitably ended up happening is I caught a DUI. Another month later, I caught another DUI. And then a month later, I was drinking and driving again. And I ran into someone's house, crashed into their wall, um, told them my vehicle and everything. I made newspaper. It was terrible. Here I am now, three DUIs. I got a hit and run. I'm already a felon. This is my fourth year on parole. Life's just like a mess. Um, I didn't keep my relationship with that guy who came and visited me in prison. I'm in a situation where I'm feeling hopeless again. I remember being on this railroad just walking. It's right by my house, and I'm just walking, and I'm, I'm contemplating life, and I'm Honestly, I'm bawling my eyes out and just begging for help from God because I don't know what's going to happen. My mom's tired of it. Everyone's kind of like, you know, this this is just going to be this kid's life. And and I didn't even know what to do. And I remember sitting down this railroad and really praying, God, please help me. In that moment, I really felt God speak to me and say, Kelby, I still love you. And I'm going to use you for my name. And uh, it was such a reassuring um, comfort and a loving voice. And I went back home and I told my mom, I said, you know, I, I want to go to a rehab. And she said, well, there's this place called Home with the Heart. It has a couple of thrift stores that I like shopping at. They have a men's rehabilitation. And uh, you can you can try them out. So I went up there and I talked to the director, Mr. Alex, and I just gave him my whole story. This rehab was like borderline like house on the prairie, straight farm. <laughs> All he relied on was two things. Number one, just getting you away from your environment and getting you into Jesus and really relying on him to save you. And so he said, you know, what, Kelby, come on in. We got a bed for you. 60 days. It's going to be free. We're not going to charge you a thing. You come on in here. We're going to help you. And I did. I went in and um, changed my life completely. To this day, one of the most greatest experiences I've ever had was stepping foot into that rehabilitation center. And I promise you, there was nothing fancy about it. It was literally, um, you worked probably eight hours a day at a third store. You would do chores around the house and you got preached to three times a day at a minimum. Uh, I, I think really what happened was at that point when I stepped in, I was so ready to leave my old life alone and embrace this new life that God met me in that place. And I graduated. And um, that was, I think, 2016 when I left there. And my life has been completely changed. As soon as I left, I said, I got to go find this uh, this ball-headed white dude that came and visited me when I was 17 in jail. And apparently he had started his own church now. Uh, he was a pastor at the time when he visited me. I still did not know why he came and visited me until uh, a couple of years ago, he finally told me that the detective that was over my case said that there was something unique about this kid and that he reached out to him to come up here and speak to me. 
Wow. And so I reached out to him and I am like, what is he doing? And all this stuff. And he said, he's starting a church and it was in a mall. And, uh, I said, you know what? I want to, you know, want to come be a part of that. And I did, I got connected there and I stayed connected with him and I stayed connected with church. And I really, I really did my best to devote myself, not only just to believing, but to now living the life that God has called me to live, abstaining from the pleasures that I used to indulge myself in, removing bad friendships, removing myself out of toxic environments, removing bad music out of my life. I really wanted to live a holy and purposeful life that God has called me to. And I was really, because my way was ruining it. And I just completely, it was, it was very obvious that whatever my way was, it definitely wasn't working. So I, like, let me give this a try. Life hasn't been the same. I literally met my wife there, met my wife in, in, in Bible study one night. And then two years later, I become his youth pastor. He had no idea that he was talking to his youth pastor through that glass door six years earlier. Today, I, I, I run a company with about 15 employees um, who serve churches and nonprofits all over the world. You know, I get to lead now as almost like an associate pastor in our church. And, and my message, this story has reached over 13 million people. Well, friends, it's time for a break. And when we return, the conclusion of Kelby's story. And in my monologue, I've got something that, well, you're going to want to hear this. You're listening to Get the Hell Out of Your Life with your host, Ron Myers. Real stories, real struggles, and real hope. What's your story? We're looking for stories of hope and overcoming life's struggles with God's grace. Your story validates God's love, mercy, restoration, and forgiveness. We want to help you share your story with the world. Visit our website, thepromoter.org, and click on the Share Your Story link and submit your story. Your testimony of God's amazing grace will change a person's destiny for eternity. Getting encouragement is important, and it helps us overcome our fears and gives us the courage to face life's challenges. To receive weekly messages of encouragement, all you need to do is text INSPIRE to 888-527-1223. That's 888-527-1223. Our messages are intended to inspire and empower you on your life journey. Remember, life is more enjoyable when you're inspired. God is in this story. God is in the details. Even in the broken parts, He holds my heart. He never fails. When I'm at my weakest, I will trust in Jesus. Welcome back, listeners. Yes, God is in this story. Is God in your story? Well, listen to the rest of Kelby's story, and maybe you'll make a decision today to keep God in your story. Kelby, there are a lot of people right now that drugs, alcohol, the pleasures of life, have you said, that is the only thing that they know because that numbs the pain in their life. So Mm -hmm. somebody listening right now, they say, well, you know, that's that Kelby and that Jesus thing. That's not for me. What would you tell that person? I totally get that that mindset. But here's what I would say. Give it a try. You have nothing to lose. And if you really, really, really don't want to live the life you're living, like deep down inside, if you have any uh, uh, inch of hunger for a better life, just give it a try. Don't knock it. Don't knock it just yet. Don't say that could happen to him, but that'll never happen to me. 
because that was that same mindset that I had at that time. The truth is the same grace that was given to me, the same grace that was given to you, Ron, can also be given to them and it's available. All we got to do is just take that step. But sometimes we have to hit bottom. We have to see the world collapse before we reach for help. What do you think? That's so true. You know, you know, I had an MMA instructor who um, really, really dear in my life, trained with him for about eight years. And he used to always tell me, Kelby, pain is a very cruel teacher, but she is very good. She will get you to learn. And sometimes it takes that for some people. I really hate that it does, but sometimes it takes excruciating and really a lot of pain for people to finally realize, like, wait a minute, this can't be what life's about. This can't be why I was sent here. Well, God um, will take our pain and turn it into his purpose. That's right. You're having fun, aren't you? I mean, I really am. I'm going to be honest with you, Ron. Now, my life has completely flipped. Um, that person that was in bondage to drugs and Xanax and blunts and liquor, I don't even know him like that. It's absolutely fun. It's absolutely uh, amazing. And the truth is, you know what I really love is when I get to tell people, like when they ask me, like, oh, yeah, like, like, um, you know, what college did you go through? Or they want to know a little bit about my background. And then it's like, surprise. Like, and I tell them <laughs> really the truth. Yeah. And they're just like, what? There was grace in my life. God was looking after me. Kelby, you said something a minute ago. It reminds me back to my before Jesus days when it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But a lot <laughs> of it was based on looking for that love, looking for that acceptance. Yeah. Do you think yeah. a lot of the people that are struggling nowadays with drugs and alcohol, that the foundational reason in their life is they just absolutely don't yeah. feel absolutely. loved? I'll give you a good example. The reason why alcohol became so addicting to me, it brought me significance. It made me feel important or it made me get attention, which I was really secretly craving. And I think a lot of people, maybe not all, but a lot of people also want that. They want to be known, to be known and to know. For me, it was just like, I, I was I always thought I was just this poor black kid who was just another stereotype and no one's ever going to see you as anything more than just this. And so I was secretly longing to get attention and show off and to kind of just like, you know, be different. But I didn't know how to meet that need. And so alcohol and drugs helped me meet that need. Um, yeah. It sounds like you're addicted to Jesus now. That's right. Amen, that's right. Brother. I mean, literally, that's right. Jesus sets us free. It really does. He gets you to stop thinking about yourself and making the world just about you, which is a huge, huge thing. It really is. It's yeah. just a beautiful journey once we start. And that's the thing is once we start, as a young black man growing up, you can go now into a black community and you can talk to gang people. You can talk to people on drugs and you become right. relatable to them. Have you found that? Absolutely. I mean, I literally just uh, got to go speak at the Fatherhood Coalition. I think it was a bunch of young teenagers, the majority of them African-American, uh, at least 70, 80 percent African-American. They're all between 15 and 17. And they're on probation for bringing guns to school, catching charges. And, and I get to speak to those guys. And I really try to uh, resonate with them and allow them to see. Listen, I didn't graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I didn't like grow up in like this great household. To be honest, I was living in a shed in the backyard. Those little buildings you see on the side of the road where it's like rent to own, we would get one of those. We would insulate it. We would run an extension cord out there. Um, and that's where, you know, I would live. So like, absolutely. And uh, I try to keep that perspective still. I try to hold on to that because I know how much, how important that is. You know, I, I'll say this. I love this story so much and I like to share it. But one day, and you probably heard this, one day there was a man 
who was doing his best, but he fell into a hole. He was trying to get out of this hole and he was trying to climb up the sides and he still couldn't get out and he was giving all he had and there was no hope. And so he would just sit down there and yell for help and help and no one would hear him. But one day uh, a doctor walked by and peeked in the hole and seen him down there and said, hey, man, what are you doing down there? He said, I mean, I've been here for a while. I've been crying out for help. No one's helped me. I, I don't know what to do. And the doctor says, here, well, uh, take take this prescription. Take three of these a day, and uh, this will help you get out of this hole. He tries that, and he's still stuck in the hole, and he doesn't get out. And some time goes on, and, and he's defeated, still stuck in this hole. And he hears somebody walk across the top again, and this time this time it's a pastor, a preacher. And uh, this priest comes by and says, hey, man, what are you doing down in this hole? And, and he says, um, Man, look, I've been here for a while now. I've been talking to the doctor. I've been yelling for help. Nothing's helping me. And so the pastor says, here, look, here's a Bible. Just read this. Read this. Get to know this, and this will help you get out of here. And uh, the man spends hours reading and spends time reading this, and he's still stuck, and he still doesn't help him get out. So this guy's now just hopeless at this point, just withering away, dying. One day, this man is walking across the top of this platform or this hole, peeks down in there and says, Hey, buddy, what are you doing in this hole? And he says, listen, man, just go ahead and go on. Like, let me just let me just be here and die. And, and, and you go and live your life. He said, I've done had the doctor. I've done had people pray for me. I've done did everything I can to try to get out this hole. So the man doesn't say nothing. He just walks off. And the guy in the hole just accepts it. Then all of a sudden, he hears a loud thump right behind him. And he turns around. And this man done jumped in the hole with him. He says, what are you doing, you idiot? We're both now stuck in this hole. Didn't I just tell you I've been here for forever and I've tried everything? Now we're both in this hole. And the guy looks at him and he smiles and he says, don't worry. I know the way out. Kelby, I can see why so many people follow you on social media. And I appreciate your passion and your love so much because it's contagious. Well, that means the world to me, Ron. It really does. You know, um, it's always what the enemy's uses uh when i when i go to lay down at night is you're really not helping nobody or you know are you even really doing what what you what you can do or you know all this is in vain no one's going to really listen to you or believe you amen brother um, i've been been there done that i got the t-shirt i know exactly what you're saying (laughs) but we we know whose we are and we are in the hands of Jesus, and we are more than conquerors. Kelby, will you give my listeners a Kelby McNabb pep talk? If you're a parent and um, maybe you have a kid who is struggling with drugs and alcohol and you see them taking this path that we that I just shared with you guys about and that me and Ron has been talking about, you know, I know how difficult that can be. Um, and I wish there was just a one answer solution that will help you feel better about all of this and solve the problem. Um, You know, I ponder so much on Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how much she had to endure when she made the decision in her head to let her baby boy go into the world to be abused, mistreated, the uncertainty that she had to bear of knowing that she's going to let Jesus, her son, go, right? And she gave it to God. I I first want to kind of challenge the parents out there with that. I, I really do. I want because I know how much that stress can be. I know my, I seen my mom go through every phone call after those those times where it's always filled with anxiety because you never know if it's a detective, if it's a state trooper saying your son is dead, or if it's something like that. I want you to first know that God cares for you. He really does. Your prayers matter. He is fighting for your child. He is fighting for you. 
go to him, really pursue that, get connected with a body of believers who also have gone through what you're going through. You know, one thing is that the enemy wants us to feel alone, wants us to feel like this has only happened to us because we're bad parents or we're bad people, but that's not the case at all. This is happening to a lot of people, a lot of believers are having to go through this. So I just want to say that for for the parents out there and, and for anybody out there who may be listening to this now, and you're the one wrestling with kind of the addiction or the drugs and or the just the life of sin and, and just of selfishness it ain't worth it there's not a there's not a pill you're gonna take that's gonna immediately change everything you know i told my story in this last 20 25 minutes that was over the span of well eight to ten years you know i left rehab six years ago uh it's not gonna happen overnight and the number one thing when someone comes to me and asks you know what what do i need i always say you have to have hunger you have to have yeah, something yeah. inside of you that wants a better, right? You were not sitting here to just live a life of working every day and just misery and making drugs and taking drugs to feel better. That was not the life he had planned for you. So you've got to have a hunger inside um, that wants that. And you've got to keep that hunger there because there's going to be times when you're going to try. You're going to be sober for two weeks and then slip up or you're going to try and then uh, you're going to fail. You might fail over and over and over again. But listen to me. Don't let that be the end. You get up and you keep trying. Don't let someone call you a, a hypocrite because this is your eighth time trying to get this right. You keep pursuing. You keep moving forward. And I promise you, grace will meet you there. I promise you, if you really put him first, you say, God, I believe you. I trust you. I want to give you my whole life, not just part of it. I don't want to just say I believe, but now I want to actually take that and, and make it real in my life. I want to do things for you. I want to behave differently. And I need your help. He will show up. I promise you, he will show up. Um, Kelby, that, that is awesome. Now, listen, how do people connect with you? Facebook, obviously, is a great, great way. I mean, I, I almost answer every message on Facebook. Ron, that's how I got to meet you and Amen. talk with you. Uh, I'm very, I take that very seriously. So Facebook, Kelby McNabb, K-E-L-B-Y-M-C-N-A-B. One last thing before we go. How do you get the hell out of your life? I love that title. Listen, I think um, I think you got to pursue heaven. And what inevitably I believe will happen is, Hell will just get left behind. I want to thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being faithful to the call in your life. And again, Ron, thank you. Amen, brother. I appreciate it. You're listening to Get the Hell Out of Your Life with your host, Ron Myers. Real stories, real struggles, and real hope. We hear real stories every week of job loss and broken relationships. Perhaps you're experiencing difficult times in your life. The fear of a shaky financial future, or maybe just plain fear of the unknown. No matter what your situation might be, there is someone who's there for you. Someone who can bring you an answer to the fears in your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Placing your faith in him is the first step in obtaining the peace found solely in a relationship with Christ. A relationship that can never be broken. God has said many times in the Bible, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. Wouldn't you like to know someone who will never leave your side? If you would like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Or chat with us at chataboutjesus.com. Friends, my greatest joy is producing this show, Get the Hell Out of Your Life. You hear stories from people from all backgrounds that got the hell out of their life by calling upon the name of Jesus. 90% of them never met Jesus in church. 
they met Jesus at the end of themselves. You can listen to more episodes at the website, thepromoter.org. Until next week, this is Ron Myers reminding you, I love you, God loves you, and when you give Jesus your heart, he will give you total forgiveness and a life that is absolutely everything you dreamed of. Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life. Real people, sharing real struggles, and offering real hope.